I want to say thank you for joining us here at His Hardline, where every day we always have something going on. We have three shows that we do. We have 1% with Him, where we spend a little time in the Bible, spend a little time with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And every once in a while, we'll mix it up, and we do a show called The EDU Spot. And every Tuesday and Friday, we have what's called a His Hardline discussion, where we talk about some deep topics. Don't forget to join us at www.hishardline.com. I want to say thank you again for joining us. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. Welcome to the EDU spot, and we are on the final, final part of the 2000-25 field training manual. We are going to be going over the Constitution of the United States of America. And this is going to be a long segment, but we are going to break it up in possibly two maybe three segments. So buckle up because this is the thing that people need to learn. This is what people need to read. Let's get started. Okay. Now, for those of you that are following along on the PDF page, we are on the PDF Uh, We are on page 127. Again, the Constitution of the United States of America. Now, showing all portions of the original Constitution which have become obsolete, enclosed in brackets in bold type, and all portions which have been modified or supplanted by amendment in bold italics with notes indicating the amendments by which the changes were made. So again, if you're reading this, that's just a little side note. So forward here. Our Constitution is the foundation upon which this republic rests. It is now the oldest written Constitution functioning in the world and is quite generally conceded the wisest plan of government ever conceived. Now, under its benefit, influence, we began to solve problems and secure individual comforts and privileges that had baffled philosophers and statesmen for ages. We have harmonized into a splendid and loyal citizenship people of many nationalities coming to our shores with varying ambitions and ideals and have made orderly progress unparalleled in history until we have become the leading nation of the world. In studying the Constitution, it is essential to have clearly in mind what portions have been modified or supplanted by amendment and what portions have become obsolete. The changes are clearly indicated in this edition. When the Constitution was written, our country was in a condition of bankruptcy, chaos, and anarchy. Within three years after its adoption, a most favorable condition for all orderly progress had been established. That benefit transformation wrought by the Constitution is one of the most amazing facts in all history. The men who wrote the Constitution had great mental acumen, political understanding, and moral courage. Their lives had been devoted largely to study the thought concerning government in rendering to rendering public service. They were politically minded in the sense that Edison and Marconi are electrically minded, that Lindbergh and Chamberlain are aviation minded, that Socrates and Emerson were philosophically minded, and that Newton and Kepler were scientifically minded. Now, <clears throat> 
To regard the Constitution merely as a statement of principles and enumeration of rights and guarantees results in confusion and a false concept. It is a statement of the purposes of government and the statement of a plan for setting up and administering a federal representative government in harmony with the purposes to which it was dedicated. Now, every proper activity of government can be classified under one or more of the six great purposes set forth in the preamble. The plan for the division of powers into legislative, executive, and judicial departments combining proper independence with means for helpful cooperation between those departments under well-balanced restraints makes possible a scientific administration of government. The Constitution is very much the kind of a plan for handling the problems of government that the alphabet is for handling the problems of language, that the scale is for handling the problems of music, that the ten digits are for handling the problems of arithmetic. Notwithstanding the vital importance of the Constitution to the well-being of this republic, the number of persons who know much about it is tragically small. Increasing knowledge of its meaning and value will bring increasing desire for better understanding. Now, we get into the actual reading of the Constitution of the United States. This is the preamble. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Article 1 the Legislative Department. Section 1. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. The House of Representatives. Section 2. The House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states and the electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors of the most numerous branch of the state legislature. No person shall be a representative who shall not have attained to the age of 25 years and been seven years a citizen of the United States and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state in which he shall be chosen. Representatives, excuse me, section three, representatives in direct taxes, except, except income, shall be apportioned among the several states which may be included within this union according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons, including those bound to service for a term of years, and excluding Indians not taxed, three-fifths of all other persons. The actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of Congress of the United States, and within every subsequent term of ten years, in such manner as they shall be law, by law direct. The number of representatives shall not exceed one for every 30,000, but each state shall have at least one representative. And until such enumeration shall be made, the state of New Hampshire shall be entitled to choose three, Massachusetts, eight, Rhode Island and Providence, Plantations, one, Connecticut, five, New York, six, New Jersey, four, Pennsylvania, eight, Delaware, one, Maryland, six, Virginia, ten, North Carolina, five, South Carolina, five, and Georgia, three. When vacancies happen in the representation from any state, the executive authority thereof shall issue writs of election to fill such vacancies. 
Section 5. The House of Representatives shall choose their Speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment. The United States Senate. Section 3. The Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state chosen by the legislature, thereof for six years, and each senator shall have one vote. Immediately after they shall be assembled in consequence of the first election, they shall be divided as equally as may be into three classes. The seats of senators of the first class shall be vacated at the expiration of the second year, of the second class at this expiration of the fourth year, and of the third class at the expiration of the sixth year, so that one-third may be chosen every second year. And if vacancies happen by resignation or otherwise during the recess of the legislature of any state, the executive thereof may make temporary appointments until the next meeting of the legislature, which shall then fill each vacancies. No person shall be a senator who shall not have attained to the age of 30 years old and been nine years a citizen of the United States, and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of the state for which he shall be chosen. The vice president of the United States shall be president of the Senate, but shall have no vote unless they be equally divided. The Senate shall choose their offer other officers and also a president pro tempore in the absence of the vice president, or when he shall exercise the office of the president of the United States. The Senate shall have the sole prior, the sole power to try all impeachments. When sitting for that purpose, they shall be an oath or affirmation when the President of the United States is tried. The Chief Justice shall preside, and no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two-thirds of the members present. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States, but the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to the law. Now, the Organization of Congress, Section 4. The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations, except as to the places of choosing senators. The Congress shall assemble at least once in every year, and such meetings shall be on the first Monday in December, unless they shall by law appoint a different day. Section 5. Each house shall be the judge of the elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members, and a majority of each shall constitute a quorum to do business, but a smaller number may adjourn from day to day and may be authorized to compel the attendance of absent members in such manner and under such penalties as each house may provide. Now, each house may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and with the concurrence of two-thirds expel a member. Each house shall keep a journal of its proceedings and from time to time publish the same, excepting such parts as may, in their judgment, require secrecy. And the yeas and nays of the members of either house on any question shall, at the desire of one-fifth of those present, be entered on the journal. Neither house during the session of Congress shall, without the consent of the other, adjourn for more than three days, nor to any other place than that in which the two houses shall be sitting. Section 6. 
The senators and representatives shall receive a compensation for their services to be ascertained by law and paid out of the Treasury of the United States. They shall, in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of peace, be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same, and for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. No senator or representative shall during in in, during the time for which he was elected, be appointed to any civil office under the authority of the United States which shall have been created or the emoluments whereof shall have been increased during such time and no person holding any office under the United States shall be a member of either house during his continuance in office. All Section 7. All bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. Every bill which shall have passed the House of Representatives and the Senate shall, before it becomes a law, be, present, present, uh, excuse me, be presented to the President of the United States. If he approves, he shall sign it, but if not, he shall return it with his objections to that house in which it shall have originated, who shall enter the objections at large on their journal and proceed to reconsider it. If after such reconsideration, two-thirds of that house shall agree to pass the bill at... at um, Excuse me, and I'm trying to figure out because, like I said, this is a PDF and some of the parts of the pages are kind of cut off. So if you hear me stumble, that is why I'm trying to figure out this word here. So let's see here. Agree to pass the bill and shall be sent together with the objections to the other house by which it shall likewise be reconsidered. And if approved... By the two-thirds of the House, it shall become a law, but in all such cases, the votes of both Houses shall be determined by yeas and nays, and the names of the persons voting for and against the bill shall be entered on the journal of each House respectively. If any bill shall not be returned by the President within ten days, Sundays excepted, after it shall have been presented to him, the same shall be a law in like manner as if he had signed it, unless the Congress by their adjournment prevent its return, in which case it shall not be a law. Every order, resolution, or vote to which the concurrence of the Senate and House of Representatives may be necessary, except on a question of adjournment, shall be presented to the President of the United States, and before the same shall take effect, sh shall be approved by him, or being disapproved by him, shall be repassed by two-thirds of the Senate and House of Representatives, according to the rules and limitations prescribed in the case of a bill. Powers Vested in Congress, Section 8. The Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposed, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States, but all duties, imposed, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. To borrow money on the credit of the United States. To regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. To establish an uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies throughout the United States. To coin money, regulate the value thereof, 
and of foreign coin and fix the standard of weights of me and measures to provide for the punishment of counterfeiting the securities and current coin of the United States, to establish post offices and post roads, to promote the progress of science and useful arts by the securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries, to constitute tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court, to define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the law of nations, to declare war, grant letters of mark, marquee and reprisal, and make rules concerning captures on land and water, to raise and support, support armies, but no appropriation of money to that use shall be for a longer term than two years, and to provide and maintain a navy, to make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces, to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrection, and repel invasions, to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia, and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States, reserving to the states respectively the appointment of the officers and the authority of training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. To exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square, as may by session of particular states and the acceptance of Congress become the seat of the government of the United States, and to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings, and to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers tested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department officer thereof. Section 9. Restraints, Federal and State. The migration or importation of such persons as any of the states now existing shall think proper to admit shall not be prohibited by the Congress prior to the year 1808, but a tax or duty may be imposed on such importation not exceeding $10 for each person. The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless when in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. No bill of attainder or ex post facto law shall be passed. No capitation or other direct tax shall be laid unless in proportion to the census or enumeration herein before directed to be taken. No tax or duty shall be laid on articles exported from any state. No preference shall be given by any regulation of commerce or revenue to the ports of one state over those of another, nor shall vessels bound to or from one state be obliged to enter clear or pay duties in another. No money shall be drawn from the treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law and a regular statement and account of the receipt 
and expenditures of all public money shall be published from time to time. No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding office of profit or trust under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept of any present emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, prince, or foreign state. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of marquee and reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin, a tender in payment of debts, pass any bill of attainder, ex post facto, or law, impairing the obligation of contracts, or grant any title of nobility. No state shall without consent of Congress lay any impost or duties on imports or exports except what may be be absolutely necessary for executing its inspection, laws, and the net produce of all duties and imposts laid by any state or imports or exports shall be for the use of the Treasury of the United States, and all such laws shall be subject to the revision and control of the Congress. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with any with another state, or with a foreign power, or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. Article 2. The Executive Department. Section 1. The executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the term of four years and together with the vice president chosen for the same term be elected as follows. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress, but no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States shall be appointed an elector. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for two persons of whom one at least shall not lie an inhabitant of the same state with themselves, and they shall make a list of all persons voted for and of the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit seal to the seat of the government of the United States, directed to the president of the Senate. The president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, Open all certificates and votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be the president if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if there be more than one who have such majority and have an equal number of votes, then the House of Representatives shall immediately choose by ballot one of them for president, and if no person shall have a majority, then from the five highest on the list, the said House shall in like manner choose the president, but in choosing the president, the vote shall be taken by the states, the, represent, the representation from each state, having one vote, a quorum, for this purpose shall consist of member or members from two-thirds of the states, and the majority of all the states shall be necessary to choice. In every case, 
after the choice of the president, the person having the greatest number of votes of the electors shall be the vice president. But if there should remain two or more who have equal votes, the Senate shall choose from them by ballot the vice president. The Congress may determine the time of choosing the electors and the day on which they shall give their votes, which day shall be the time throughout the United States. No persons except a natural-born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this Constitution shall be eligible to the office of president, neither shall any person be eligible to the age of 35 years and been 14 years a resident within the United States. In case of the removal of the president from office or of his death, resignation, or inability to discharge the powers and duties of the said office, the same shall devolve of the, on the vice president, and the Congress may, by law, for the case of removal, death, resignation, or inability, both of the president and vice president, declaring what officer shall then act as president, and such officers shall act accordingly until the disability be removed or the president shall be elected. The president shall at seated times receive for his service a compensation which shall neither be increased nor diminished during the period for which he shall have been elected, and he shall not receive within that period any other emolument from the United States or any of them. Before he enters the, execu the execution of his office, he shall take the following oath or affirmation. I do sol solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, defend the Constitution of the United States. Section 2. The President shall be Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. He may require the opinion in writing of the principal of officer in each of the executive departments upon any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices, and he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offices, offenses against the United States except in cases of impeachment. He shall have power by and with the advice and consent of the Senate to make treaties provide two-thirds of the senators present concur, and he shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for and which shall be established by law. But the Congress may, by law, vest the appointments of such inferior officers as they think proper in the President alone in the courts of law or in the heads of departments. The President shall have power to fill up all vacancies that may happen during the recess of the Senate by granting commissions which shall expire at the end of their next session. Section 3. He shall from time to time give the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. He may on extraordinary occasions convene both houses or either of them, and in the case of disagreement between them, with respect to the time of adjournment, he may adjourn them to such time as he shall think proper. He shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. He shall take care that the law 
laws be faithfully executed and shall commission all the officers of the United States. Section 4. The President, Vice President, and civil officers and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office or on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Article 3, Section 1. The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court, in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior and shall, as stated, times receive for their services a compensation which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office. Section 2. The judicial powers shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution. The laws of the United States and treaties made or which shall be made under the author their authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party to controversies between two or more states, between a state and a citizen of another state, between citizens of different states, between citizens of the same state, claiming lands under grants of different states and between a state or the citizen thereof and foreign states, citizens or subjects. In all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers, and consuls, and those in which a state shall be party, the Supreme Court shall have original jurisdiction. In all other cases before mentioned, the Supreme Court shall have appellate jurisdiction, both as to the law and fact, with such exceptions and under the regulations as the Congress shall make. The trial of all crimes except in cases of impeachment shall be by jury, and such trial shall be held in the state where the said crimes shall have been committed, but when not committed within any state, the trial shall be at such place or places as the Congress may by law have directed. Section 3. Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. The Congress shall have power to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainder of treason shall work cor corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attainted. Attained. Article 4. The Relation of the States to Each Other Full faith and credit shall be given in each state to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state, and the Congress may, by general law, prescribe the manner in which such acts, records, and proceedings shall be proved and the effect thereof. Section 2. The citizens of each state shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of citizens in the several states. A person charged in any state with treason, felony, or other crime who shall flee from justice and be found in, any other, in another state shall on demand of the executive authority of the state from which he fled be delivered up to be removed to the state having jurisdiction of the crime. 
No person held to service or labor in one state under the law thereof escaping into another shall in consequence of any law or regulation therein be discharged from such service or labor, but shall be delivered up on claim of the party to whom such service or labor may be due. Section 3. New states may be admitted by the Congress into this union, but no new states shall be formed or erected within the jurisdiction of any other state, nor any state be formed by the junction of two or more states or parts of states without the consent of the legislature of the states concerned as well as of the Congress. Congress shall have power to dispose of and make all needful rules and regulations respecting the territory or other property belonging to the United States, and nothing in this Constitution shall be so construed as to prejudice any claim of the United States or of any particular state. Now, the United States shall guarantee to every state in the Union, in this Union, a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. Article 5. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution or on any application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by convention in three-fourths thereof as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress, provided that no amendment which may be made prior to the year 1000. 808 shall in any manner affect the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article, and that no state without its consent shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. Article 6. All debts contracted and engagements entered into before the adoption of the Constitution shall be as valid against the United States under this Constitution as under the Confederation. This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution, but no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Article 7. The ratification of the conventions of nine states shall be sufficient for the establishment of the Constitution between the states, so ratifying the same. Done in convention of the unanimous consent of the states present the seventh day of September in the year of our Lord, 1187, and of the independence of the United States of America, the twelfth in witness whereof we have hereunto subscribed our names. 
George Washington, President and Deputy from Virginia, New Hampshire, John Langdon, Nicholas Gilman, Massachusetts, Nathaniel Gorham, Connecticut, William Samuel Johnson, Roger Sherman, New York, Alexander Hamilton, New Jersey, William Livingston, David Brearley, William Patterson, Jonathan Dayton, Pennsylvania, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Mifflin, Robert Morris, George Clymer, Thomas Fitzmunds, Fitzsimmons, excuse me, Jared Ingersoll, James Wilson, Governor Morris, in Delaware, George Reed, Gunning Bedford, Jr., John Dickinson, Richard Bassett, Jacob Broom, Maryland, James McHenry, Daniel of St. Thomas, Jennifer, Daniel Carroll, Virginia, John Blair, James Madison, Jr., North Carolina, William Blount, Richard Dobbs Spate, Hugh Williamson, South Carolina, John Rutledge, Charles Coatsworth, Pickney, Charles Pickney, Pierce Butler, Georgia, William Few, Abraham Baldwin, Attest, William Jackson, the Secretary. Now, delegates Edmund Randolph and George Mason of Virginia and Elbridge Gerry of Massachusetts were present on the last day of the convention but refused to sign the Constitution. The following delegates were not present on the last day of the convention, but a goodly portion of them were in favor of the Constitution. W. Oliver Ellsworth of Connecticut, William Churchill of Houston of New Jersey, excuse me, William Churchill Houston of New Jersey, John Caleb Strong of Massachusetts, William Pierce and William Houston of Georgia, William Richardson Davy and Alexander Martin of North Carolina, James McClurg and George Wythe of Virginia, Robert Yates and W. John Lansing of New York and John Francis Mercer and Luther Martin of Maryland. Many people seem to have the impression that John Hancock, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and Patrick Henry were delegates to the Constitutional Convention, but none of them were. And so this will conclude the first part of the reading of the Constitution. The next part that comes here in about a week will be the reading of the amendments. And then we should be about wrapping up with the 2000-25 field training manual. Like I said, the Constitution is a very lengthy read. I had to bounce back and forth from the PDF file to my actual Constitution that I have here. It should be relatively about the same, but I had to keep bouncing back and forth to make sure there is nothing missing or any extra added commentary in the field training manual. So... This will conclude the first part of the reading of the Constitution, and then when we come back and reconvene in about roughly a week, we will go over the rest of it and go over all the amendments, different articles. So with that, I want to say thank you for joining us here at the EDU spot, and we will conclude next week the Field Training Manual 2000-25. I hope you all have a blessed night, and thank you for listening here at His Hard Line. Bye-bye.